With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. In the early morning hours of October 6, 2009, an intruder broke into the home of Ashley Love, a 19-year-old woman from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He made his way to Ashley's second-floor bedroom and shot her in the face with a shotgun before going back downstairs. Just as he did, Ashley's mother awoke and opened her bedroom door, coming face-to-face with the intruder. He then fled the house, never to be seen again. It's been 14 years since Ashley was murdered, and detectives are still searching for the man responsible. Hey everyone, welcome back to Detective Perspective. My name is Derek Lavasser. I'm a licensed private investigator and former police detective, and each week I'll be covering an unsolved case in story format. I'll then give you my perspective on the investigation and provide contact information for the individuals or organizations connected to the case so that if you have any tips, you can contact them directly, and maybe you can help solve a case. Uh, With that being said, if you're someone who's interested in true crime, specifically unsolved cases, and you would like to hear my opinion on those investigations, please consider subscribing, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you use. Okay, so let's get into it. Ashley Love, this is an interesting case. I've actually, right before this, I was watching some videos from the family, some different news outlets that's covered the investigation, and this is an interesting one because we're looking at a situation where, on the surface, it appears that this was deliberate, uh, it was intentional, and it was personal. And the reason I say that is because, as I just said in the opening, this intruder had the opportunity to kill Ashley's mom as well and, and decided not to do so. And you really have to ask yourself why. And the truth of the matter is, is we may never know motive unless we apprehend the person responsible because It's never going to make sense to us regardless of what their reasoning is. But without knowing the backstory and without knowing why this person did this, um, we're never going to be able to piece it together. It doesn't make sense to me why this individual would go into a house and kill this 19-year-old girl for what appears to be no reason at all, but yet not kill her mother who could potentially be a witness down the road. It just doesn't make sense. Um, There's also another scenario we could be looking at, and I'll get into it more at the end of my perspective, but you could be looking at a situation where wrong house, wrong person. And in that moment, the offender seeing Ashley's mom realized that he had the wrong house, wrong person, and decided to flee the area because he himself was in shock at the mistake he just made. Uh, But overall, we're going to go through the case here. 
and we're going to go over some of the specifics of it. I'll give my perspective throughout the story and and at the end we'll summarize everything and and you can make your own determination of what you think happened here. With that all out of the way, let's dive into the case. Ashley Ann Love was born on September 17, 1990 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Her mother Tammy described Ashley as quote, fun-loving and carefree. She was always laughing, always smiling. She really was kind to everybody, just lovable and just enjoyed life. Her father, Joe, fondly remembered her big laugh and the way she refused to cut her long hair. Ashley enjoyed living life to the fullest. She loved playing music, board games, and various sports like croquet, pool, basketball, and softball. But above all else, Ashley cherished spending time with her friends and family. Kyle Olson, family friend and host of the long-form podcast Love and Justice, told the Moms and Mysteries podcast that the Loves were his second family, which meant he hung out with Ashley quite often. His favorite memories of their time together involved filming many movies. Kyle, a budding filmmaker, was always putting members of the Love family in his movies, and Ashley often played a leading role. Kyle, Ashley, and the rest of the Love family also enjoyed other fun activities like game nights, bowling tournaments, and karaoke parties. Kyle said, quote, You almost take advantage of those moments because it's like, of course Ashley's going to be there. She's always going to be there to add to the fun of the party. But unfortunately, that was not the case. At the age of 16, Ashley began working at the Arby's in the Mayfair Mall. Her mother, Tammy, mentioned in an interview with GM Today that Ashley absolutely loved her job and considered her co-workers as a second family, and they loved her back, describing her as hardworking and a great friend. One of them told Fox 6 now, quote, She brought people up. That's part of what we loved about her. Two years after starting at Arby's, Ashley graduated with honors from Pius XI High School, where she was highly regarded by her teachers. After graduating, she took some time to explore potential career paths while continuing to work at Arby's and live with her parents near 64th and Hampton in Milwaukee. By the fall of 2009, Ashley was still living with her parents and still loving her job at Arby's. Love and Justice reported that on October 5th, 2009, 19-year-old Ashley worked the closing shift at Arby's. Once she was off work, Tammy picked her up, and they went back home. Ashley then spent the evening watching the Green Bay Packers football game with her family. When the game was over, Ashley showered and went to bed. Everything seemed completely normal, and nothing out of the ordinary occurred. But then, around 2 a.m. on what was now October 6th, Tammy jolted awake. She heard footsteps outside the door, it sounded like someone was running down the stairs from Ashley's second floor bedroom. Tammy got out of bed and opened the door. That's when she saw a male intruder holding a shotgun standing right in front of her. He was a Hispanic male around 20 years old with an average height and build and short spiked hair. He had a bandana concealing the lower half of his face and was wearing a dark zip sweater or jacket. Now normally at this point, I would share a sketch of the suspect, especially considering how detailed uh, Tammy's description was, but unfortunately, police never never created a sketch, and, and that could be for a couple of reasons. I guess the if you're looking at it from their perspective, they may look at it like it's only going to be half the face, and how many people would match that description, a uh, 20-year-old Hispanic male with black spiky hair. I mean, it's going to match a lot of people. They're probably going to get inundated with calls. I would argue that something is better than nothing. Um, the good news is it's not too late. 
Tammy can still uh, complete a sketch if she still remembers all those details, although I will say probably not going to be as good as it would have been at the time when it occurred. But you could still complete the sketch. It could be done privately, or investigators could come back to the table and complete a sketch with a sketch artist now. Um, and, and I would say, listen, yeah, you're probably going to get a ton of tips, but you never know where that's going to lead. There could be a couple people on their radar already, and maybe someone comes forward with the, a similar name, and that step leads to one thing, and then that leads to another. And then before you know it, we're looking at a potential arrest. You never know what's going to happen, and you have nothing to lose and everything to gain, especially when it comes to a sketch. All right, so let's get back to the story because we're at a really critical part. While staring at the intruder outside of her door, Tammy thought that the family was being robbed, so she started to scream. She told the man, quote, take whatever you want and please leave. He then fled from Tammy and she watched as he left the house. Once the intruder left the house, she saw a flash and possibly another person running. Now, Kyle Olson, who I mentioned earlier, host the Love and Justice podcast, shared with the Moms and Mysteries podcast that Tammy is 100% certain she saw the intruder inside the house. However, she will be the first to tell you she is not as confident about seeing the possible accomplice. The uncertainty stems from the fact that she had just been jolted awake from a deep sleep and it was dark outside, so she didn't have the best view. Even today, Tammy has doubts about her memory of the accomplice. She asked the police to share her statements with her, but they refused to provide any details, so she's unsure if she ever mentioned an accomplice to them. Now, I can weigh in on this real quick here. Some may look at this as, why would the police not be willing to share her own statement with her? Well, the first statement from any witness, including Tammy, can be critical. And obviously, once she goes out in the public and she's had time to think about things, she may be able to provide further detail, but she can also be influenced by media outlets, friends, and family, and she may unintentionally remember something that didn't even happen. And the worst thing they would could do is give her her statement where she's allowed to uh, change or alter anything because let's be honest that's what from a human perspective you're going to want to do if you see your initial statement and you and you realize oh you know what maybe that's not what happened you're going to want it to be changed and for this the integrity of the investigation when you give that statement it is in stone it can't be changed and to provide her with a copy of that it's only going to contribute to any future statements she makes because now she's going to have in front of her what she initially said and I'm not suggesting at all, I'm not suggesting at all in this case, but there are situations where your best witness could also be considered a suspect. Now, do you want to provide them with what you have internally as far as the investigation is concerned? No. So although they may not feel Tammy's a suspect, for the sake of consistency throughout all of their investigations, the investigators are sticking with their policy not to provide statements after the fact to witnesses when it's still an open investigation, and, and I agree with that move. According to True Crime Daily, after the intruder fled, Tammy shouted for Joe to check on Ashley. He went upstairs and called her name, but she didn't answer. He then walked into her bedroom to see why she wasn't responding to him. That's when Joe realized Ashley's face was, quote, just gone. The intruder had shot her with his shotgun. Joe screamed in shock, asking, quote, who would do something like this? Tammy did not go inside Ashley's bedroom. She couldn't bear to see her daughter like that. The police were called, and after they showed up, 
Ashley's parents and two brothers were separated into different rooms of the house so they could be questioned. Now, I want to make it clear right up front here, the Milwaukee Police Department has publicly cleared Ashley's family of any involvement in her murder. But that goes back to what I was just saying, where in that moment, they don't know what they have. You could be looking at a situation where everyone inside the house is pointing to a quote-unquote intruder who's fled the area, when the reality is they could be in the presence of the murderer. They do not know that. So they did the right thing here by separating everybody immediately, not giving them time to kind of put their stories together, questioning them individually, and if they're telling the truth, which it appears they were, all their stories are going to line up regardless. Now, unfortunately, not a lot is known about what happened next in the investigation, as the police have been very tight-lipped. They won't even let the family see reports or know any details. This means we will only know a handful of things, including the fact that detectives searched the Love home and collected evidence. However, it's unclear what they found. The details have not been disclosed due to the fact that it's an open investigation. And as I said earlier, completely understand this. This is the way it needs to be done at this point. The Love and Justice podcast reported that it was ultimately determined nothing was taken from the Love household. This ruled out robbery as a motive and led detectives to theorize that Ashley was specifically targeted. Detectives further used dogs to search the Love household in nearby areas. The dogs followed a scent from the house to a creek that ran behind the house. They continued along the creek until it reached the next street over. The scent then ended, which suggested that the suspect and or accomplice got into a getaway vehicle. And according to Love and Justice, the police have never ruled out the possibility of an accomplice. At that point, everyone who knew Ashley was interviewed and thoroughly reviewed by detectives. They also went through Ashley's social media to search for anyone who looked like the intruder, but there were no matches found. Detectives continued their interviews and uncovered information about a suspicious vehicle seen prior to Ashley's murder. One of these vehicles was a large white SUV that Tammy had noticed repeatedly driving around their neighborhood. Tammy and Ashley passed by the SUV a day or two before Ashley's death. Tammy had seen it so frequently that she pointed it out to Ashley. The SUV stood out to Tammy because the occupants were Hispanic. This is significant for two reasons. Tammy believed Ashley's murderer was Hispanic, and their neighborhood primarily consisted of black residents, and it was unusual to see Hispanic people there. Other witnesses informed police that in the months before Ashley's murder, she was seen getting into a blue pickup truck with an unknown man. According to Love and Justice, no one in the Love family knows where the reports of this blue truck came from. They aren't sure if it was a friend, neighbor, co-worker, or someone else who reported it. When the podcast did their own investigation, they couldn't find any of Ashley's friends who owned a blue truck. Detectives further told True Crime Daily they were never able to identify that specific blue truck or the person who picked her up. It doesn't appear they located the white SUV either. In December, detectives made an announcement regarding Ashley. They said they believe she might have been secretly seeing a man before her murder. They suggested Ashley might have met the man on Facebook or MySpace and didn't tell her friends or family about him. The police said they had yet to figure out who the man was and ask for the public's help in identifying him. They did not label him a suspect. They just wanted to talk to him. The police said the man they were looking for was white, in his early 20s, thin, and possibly worked in construction during the summer. He drove a mid-2000s blue pickup truck with pinstripes on the sides, chrome rims, tinted windows, and a raised suspension. This part of the announcement left people confused. 
They wonder if it was the same blue truck other people said they had seen Ashley get into. Ashley's friends and family later revealed they found it hard to believe she had a secret relationship. Ashley's family had no idea where the secret friend theory came from. They heard about it for the first time at the press conference as the police had never brought it up previously. Tammy later asked them about the theory, but they didn't give her any details. They simply told her they had their reasons. And because the police have denied the family access to the files, they're not able to learn more about it that way. So they're stuck not knowing why police believe Ashley had a secret friend. Now again, I know how this may look to some out there or, or sound to some out there, but we have to remember that the police want to find out who did this. And the last thing that they want is for the family members to start conducting their own investigation. And as I said earlier, they do not know who the suspect is. He could be a friend. He could be a family member, maybe not someone who was immediately in that home. And if they gave access to Tammy or the brothers or Joe, you could have a situation where although they're trying to do the right thing, they divulge what they read in the reports to other individuals thinking that they're friends when the reality is they may be the suspect. So they have to keep it internally. So that way, if someone does come forward with information pertinent to the case or they have someone come forward who confesses, they can compare those statements to information that only they had internally. That gives that person credibility. Now, according to Love and Justice, the family knows the police have access to Ashley's social media and text messages, so if there's proof of a secret friend, the police must have it. However, they wonder why the police haven't shown this proof to anyone. Instead, they've only provided a vague description of the person Ashley was supposedly having a secret relationship with. Love and Justice has interviewed people close to Ashley, including her parents, siblings, close friends, and their boyfriends. These are individuals who were privy to many of Ashley's secrets, yet none of them have ever heard about a secret friend. Her friend Kayla said, quote, If something was wrong, we would text each other no matter what it was. I just don't think that something could have been so bad that she wouldn't have texted her best friend. Another friend, Joey, said, quote, They talk about people with double lives and stuff, but Ashley was like way too honest to have a double life. For all of these reasons, the family find it hard to believe the secret friend theory. They're not saying it's impossible. Tammy will be the first to admit that it could be true. But the problem lies in the lack of solid proof. Because of these reasons, the family wishes people wouldn't focus so much on this theory because it seems just as likely as any other theory. Now, police have never shared any other theories beyond the quote, secret friend. However, love and justice has a few of their own. I'm going to discuss two of their theories, including one involving Ashley's co-worker from Arby's, and I'm going to refer to her as Rachel. Around the time of Ashley's murder, Rachel got caught stealing some items from work along with money from the cash register, which led to her getting fired. But before she got fired, Rachel wasn't known for handling situations well at work. A few weeks before Ashley's murder, Rachel, quote, erupted and went off on Ashley, at one point saying something like, quote, I'm going to blow your face off. Given what happened to Ashley, this statement is pretty shocking. Kyle Olson thinks it's possible Rachel's statement was just an unfortunate coincidence, but it's also possible there's more to the story. As of today, it remains unclear if Rachel had any role in Ashley's murder. Another theory I want to discuss is related to the parties that Ashley and her friends attended. From what Love and Justice can tell, there was quite a bit of underage drinking and marijuana use at these parties, which really isn't surprising at all, 
19-year-olds do this all the time. Shortly before her murder, Ashley attended one of these parties. When she got home, she texted her friend saying, quote, text me as soon as you fucking read this. Shit went down. Don't tell anyone. Just text me like now. Now, unfortunately, the friend can't remember what Ashley told her, but it definitely makes you wonder what happened at that party. Did it have something to do with Ashley's murder? We may never know. Kyle believes it's possible that something happened at that party or one of the other parties. Whenever he's interviewed someone who attended a party with Ashley, the conversation always goes well until he brings up the actual parties. Then the person suddenly becomes quiet and doesn't say much. Obviously, Kyle finds this concerning. He's not sure if it's because something serious happened or if people just don't want to admit to underage drinking or use of marijuana. Kyle thinks that it shouldn't matter now, given that it's been years, and no one really cares if someone drank or smoked weed back then. They just care about finding out if these parties are somehow linked to Ashley's murder. Unfortunately, because police have been so tight-lipped about their investigation, it's unclear if they looked into the theory about these parties. Love and Justice would like to speak to anyone who attended the parties, and they don't want anyone to be afraid about coming forward. Again, all they care about is Ashley's murder, not underage drinking or drug use. After the police department announced their theory regarding the possible secret friend, Ashley's parents, Tammy and Joe, held their own press conference where they announced a $1,000 reward. Tammy told reporters, quote, Someone somewhere knows something. We are begging them to come forward. This has left our family heartbroken and devastated. We feel like we are in hell and we can't climb out. On the six-month anniversary of Ashley's murder, Tammy and Joe announced they were now offering a $5,000 reward. By this time, Ashley's family had moved out of their home as it was too traumatizing to stay there. Tammy told the Sentinel Journal, quote, It doesn't seem real. I still think it's a dream and I'm going to wake up. I think that's what I have to do to get by. By June of 2012, less than three years after Ashley's murder, her case has gone cold. Over the next few years, various detectives looked at the case again, but they didn't find any new leads. Ashley's loved ones continued to keep her memory alive and seek justice, organizing vigils and fundraisers to ensure that people never forget her. In addition to these efforts, Tammy appeared on national crime shows, worked with organizations like Project Cold Case, and contributed to the Cold Case Files book. She also became a motivational speaker to support grieving families. Meanwhile, Kyle Olson was looking for ways to help raise awareness about Ashley's case. He ultimately decided to make a documentary that focused on Ashley, her murder, and her family's relentless fight for justice. The documentary, titled Letters to Ashley, was released in 2014. During the premiere, Captain Jeff Point of the Milwaukee Police Department emphasized that someone out there possesses crucial information, and it's because that person hasn't come forward that the case remains unsolved. In the years after the documentary was released, more people than ever were aware of Ashley's murder, and both the police and her family continued their search for answers. In 2017, the police told True Crime Daily that they don't know why Ashley was killed. One detective said, quote, I think when you have a crime like this, you don't know for sure what their motive is until they explain it. Now, I want to take a second to elaborate on that because that's kind of what I said earlier. We're never going to be able to rationalize as normal human beings, why someone would walk into a home and shoot a 19-year-old girl in the face because you should never do something like that. 
So for most of us, we're never going to be able to find an explanation that's going to justify those actions. But if we had the person who did this, although we may not agree with their explanation, we can at least understand it. For example, if this was someone she was seeing and something happened between them where this person was extremely upset with something Ashley did and decided to do what he ultimately did, murdering Ashley, we could at least connect the dots and understand why we are where we are today. And that in and of itself, I think, would do so much for Tammy and Joe and the rest of the family. Again, it doesn't justify what happened, but at least answering the question why, I think that would be so important for, for Tammy and the rest of her family. By 2019, around the 10th anniversary of Ashley's murder, Tammy was running out of ideas on how to get justice for her daughter. The case had gone cold, and numerous detectives had worked on it with zero updates. That's when Tammy and Kyle decided to create the Love and Justice podcast. Their goal was to raise awareness and generate conversations in hopes of solving the case. Tammy told TMJ4 she's absolutely desperate for the podcast to help solve Ashley's murder. She believes it's, quote, the last thing they can do for her on this earth. The podcast was released in November of 2022, and all episodes are now available wherever you listen to your podcasts. While Love and Justice has received numerous tips, none of them have broken open the case. They're still waiting for that last piece to the puzzle. Today, Ashley's family maintains their belief that someone out there possesses crucial information. Tammy told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that she believes the person who killed Ashley knew the family and specifically targeted her. However, she doesn't know why someone would want to hurt her daughter. Tammy and the rest of Ashley's family remain hopeful that, even after all these years, someone will have the courage to come forward with the information needed to solve this case. Unfortunately, the Milwaukee police have not released any new information regarding Ashley's case in years. It appears they have never identified the white SUV seen around Ashley's neighborhood, the blue truck she was supposedly seen getting into, or the secret friend she was allegedly talking to before her murder. All right, so let's dive into my perspective, and there's a couple things I want to go over. First off, a few things that stand out to me, I would hope they stand out to police. The fact that Tammy believes, based on her perception of the suspect, he was around 20 years old. To me, that would potentially indicate that Ashley knew this person. She might have been talking to him previously, being around the same age. It could be a coincidence. Uh, I don't necessarily believe in coincidences, so you, you're probably faced with a situation here where you have a 19-year-old victim, 20 to 22-year-old suspect. They might have known each other prior to this incident. And on the topic of knowing Ashley prior to this incident, I think what adds even more merit to that theory is the fact that you had multiple people inside this home. You had Tammy, you had Joe, and you had Ashley's two brothers. And yet this person went right to Ashley's room as almost if he knew where it was, kills her, and then flees the area. Now, you could say he fled because Tammy confronted him, but why would he care about anyone confronting him when he's holding the shotgun? Now, as I said throughout this episode, I know that Ashley's family is not completely happy with the lack of information that has come out of the Milwaukee Police Department, but we know why they're doing that. This is an open investigation, and as I've said throughout this episode, 
they have to keep things for the most part internally. Now, this case is getting a little older, but it's still relatively new. And I do agree with their decision at this point to keep things in house. Now, if we get to 20, 30 years and nothing has been discovered, that's when I've said consistently police need to open up the doors and allow potential PIs or other individuals to come out and take a second look at the case with a fresh set of eyes. But even though they haven't released anything, what they have released, I think, is incredibly significant, especially when we're talking about this blue pickup truck. The details of this truck are way too specific. I can tell you with a high degree of certainty, they have something. Now, are they right? Are they wrong? Who knows? But they have something, whether it's from her text messages, from her social media accounts, from a witness who wants to remain confidential at this point. They know something because they're not just throwing out a blue pickup truck. They have specific details about that truck, including the pinstripes, the rims, everything else. The fact that they haven't been able to find this truck up to this point is surprising to me. Because although there's a lot of blue pickup trucks, I would think that that description, that specificity about that truck would immediately ring a bell to someone out there who lives in that community. But again, I have to reiterate this, especially if Kyle or Tammy or anybody else for that matter is listening or watching this episode, don't downplay this potential connection and don't downplay the idea that maybe this individual had been secretly seeing Ashley without your knowing. I'm a father myself, and I'd like to think that as, I, as my daughters get older, they're going to share everything with me or, or someone close to them so that they can confide in them and, and ask for advice. The reality is, if we have children who feel like what they're doing is wrong, they may choose to not share that information with anybody, for that matter, because they don't want to be judged. I can't speak for Ashley. I, I can speak for myself. There were definitely things that I did growing up where I knew they weren't necessarily the best thing. And for the sake of not being ridiculed or corrected, I would just keep it to myself and, and do what I wanted to do. It doesn't make Ashley a bad person. It doesn't make me a bad person. All I'm saying is the possibility that maybe Ashley was seeing a guy who was potentially older, maybe had a, let's say, gray background, maybe not the best history. She might have chose to keep that information and that relationship to herself because she didn't want to have outside parties weighing in on her personal decisions. She was an adult. And I will say this, I haven't interviewed anybody who attended these parties, but if Kyle Olson is correct as far as the demeanor of these witnesses when he brings up these parties, is it possible that the individual we're looking for may have attended one of these parties in the past and people are fearful that if they come forward, this person who has proven to be dangerous, not only in this situation, but maybe past occurrences, could come after them. Yeah, that's possible. And you could have a situation where because this person is still free and on the streets, witnesses don't feel comfortable coming forward with information. And I know we talked about a couple theories tonight. We talked about the secret friend that she may have been seeing. We talked about the person who ultimately killed her being at one of these parties. I want to throw out another theory that we didn't discuss a lot in tonight's episode. 
but I did mention at the top of the show. Although it wouldn't be my top choice as far as what happened here, we could be looking at a situation where although nothing was taken, this was either a robbery gone wrong or a case of misidentification where there was a target of this person. They go into this house, they shoot Ashley, and then realize when they're encountered by Tammy that they got the wrong house, they got the wrong person. And that's why they decided to flee the area. Again, I have to say this to make sure you guys know, that's very unlikely. But is it impossible? Absolutely not. And if that is the case, what can we do with that? Well, I've said it in, in episodes before, but sometimes the key to unlocking the case is in the documentation or the incidences that happened days, weeks, or months before the murder. And what I mean by that is investigators need to go back and look at any potential robberies that happened in the area, whether they were successful or not, and see what the MO of those robberies were. Are there any similar descriptions to the suspects? Was a shotgun used in any of those cases? And start to draw lines and see if there's any similarities between what happened at Ashley's home and what happened in these other incidences. Maybe there's something in those cases. Maybe there was an arrest in one of those cases where they can now connect the dots and maybe potentially link Ashley's murder to one of these previous robberies. Now, maybe this has already been done, but if it hasn't, it should have been. And I'm really hoping with the size of the Milwaukee Police Department, even though they haven't said anything, that is something they've already done and gone over and cross-referenced. So they're making sure that as they're going through this investigation, they're dotting all their I's, crossing all their T's, and ruling out any outside potential theories regardless of how unlikely they may be. But I agree with Tammy, and I think that ultimately the truth of what happened to Ashley lies with someone out there. There is absolutely someone other than the suspect who knows what happened that night. And in order for us to get closure for Ashley and her family, we need to come forward with any information we have, regardless of how insignificant you might think it is. I've said this before, Law enforcement could have multiple pieces of the puzzle. And even though they do, just because they're missing one or two, they can't put it all together. You may come forward with something that doesn't seem like it's a smoking gun to you, but just by providing that piece and them then putting it into the puzzle, it may make everything else make sense. And it may lead them to the person they've been looking for all along. So if anyone out there has information... You can contact the Milwaukee Police Department at 414-935-7360. If you don't want to call the police, you can send a tip with either your name or anonymously to the Love and Justice website at loveandjusticepodcast.com. It's important to remember there is a $12,000 reward available. And if you'd like to help support Ashley's family, there are multiple ways you can do so. You can share Ashley's story, join the Justice for Ashley Love Facebook group, watch the Letters to Ashley documentary, and listen to the Love and Justice podcast. I want to thank everyone for listening and watching this week's episode. If you made it to the end, please leave a comment down below. Let me know what you think. And if you're listening on one of the podcast platforms, leave a rating, leave a review. I try to read everything. And finally, I want to send my thoughts out to Tammy, Joe, and the rest of Ashley's family. We talked about a lot tonight, and I really hope I conveyed your passion and your mission to keep Ashley's name alive 
and get her the justice she deserves. And I hope that this episode tonight contributes in a small way. Everyone stay safe out there. I'll see you soon. Thank you.